Welcome to the Sexy Freedom Media Podcast. A place to discuss pain, passion, and pursuits. I want to feel alive. Breathe. Make some moves. Protect the throne. This is Sexy Freedom Media Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Welcome to the Sexy Freedom Media Podcast. It's your host, Helen Edwards, along with my good friend, returning guest, Shrette Miller. What's up, Shrette? Hello. How's it going? It's going. And if you don't know, I call her Shreddy. So her nickname Shreddy <laughs> through this whole podcast. Um, so let's just get, right. jump right into right. it. And I'll say healthy. Yes. Let's jump right into it. Uh, first of all, um, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Yeah, lots of ups and downs lately, but actually coming out of a, you know, a little bit of a lull, but I'm doing awesome now. So Good. just that growth mindset and just keep moving, keep moving. Yes, yes. All right. So we decided we wanted to talk about something really cool today, something that's actually uh, been on our minds for a while. And that is the four agreements. If you haven't read the book, uh, the four agreements is actually a book by Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, and the four agreements, I'll just read them off real quick here. The first one is be impeccable with your word. The second one is don't take anything personally. The third one is don't make assumptions. And the fourth one is always do your best. So the reason that we decided this would be a really great topic is one, we both read the book. We love the book and hit, and the four agreements has made such an impact for both of us. So Shreddy, what do you think about it? This, so this book, I had discovered it I feel like maybe six or seven years ago I don't know how long ago it came out but it was fairly recently that I discovered the book and decided to read it and it like honestly it was life-changing for me in so many incredible ways I like I'm trying to think of the the words there's so many words there's so many things you know I mean just if anything like the, the first two, you know, be impeccable with your word and to don't take anything personally. Those two made such a huge difference for me in my own life and in relationships and friendships and even my marriage, you know, there's been all, all sorts of ways that it's been really helpful for me. And then I'm still learning, you know, there's, there's so much to practice with all of these and all aspects of life, like everything, you know. Yes, definitely. Uh, so I, I'm just going to yeah. say the one that I was really practicing this week was, uh, I believe I posted in my Facebook group, sexy, successful, and soul fed. I asked the group, you know, out of the four agreements, which one do you find, you know, something that you're kind of dealing with this week? And I think mine was number three, don't make assumptions. And mm. no, it was number two and three, don't take anything personally. And don't make assumptions. So number two and three, because I mean, you know, when somebody's just on you about something all the time, let's just say it's a partner who's just kind of complaining about things that you do, or let's just say, not saying it's my partner, but just saying in general, um, or somebody at work that is complaining about you or, so, you know, and it's just so hard to deal with when you're taking 
any type of criticism from other people. And I had to tell myself, okay, don't take it personal. Cause maybe, maybe really they're just projecting on you or they are telling you something you need to hear. They're just saying it in their own way. And you, you could, if, mm-hmm. you know, you could take it personally when you really don't need to, you can actually take it constructively. Also, there's different ways we could take mm-hmm. things in. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's so many different, I feel like different interpretations of each one of these agreements. You know, I think uh, for me, as far as it did not take anything personally, that came into play for me with um, just even small, silly things like someone not returning a text message, you know, or something like that where I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, are they mad at me? And that's those, those two, don't take it personally, don't make assumptions. I would always assume someone was mad at me because they maybe said something a certain way or didn't reply or just all sorts of reasons. You know, there's so many things that your brain makes up that oftentimes aren't true. And I think that what I realized in all of that was that number one, nobody's world revolves around me. (laughs) So why am I worried about somebody responding to me when they have their own things going on and them not responding has nothing to do with me personally, nothing. And also, I mean, even sometimes when people say things to you that feel mean, or even someone looks at you in the grocery store, you know, and it's like a, they like mean mug you in the grocery store or something. It's not personal. You know, they have something going on and they, like you were saying, like sometimes people will project things and it's so common. Like all of us do it, even when you're aware of it. You know, I feel like I'm hyper aware of projecting and people projecting onto me and even me projecting onto people. So I know that I do it too. Uh, But a lot of times people don't realize when they're doing it. And so someone's projecting something and then the other person makes that assumption that, they, you know, this person doesn't like them or, you know, they make the assumption that it's about them. And that is where I feel like I got into a lot of trouble in my life, you know, like years ago is where I always thought that someone didn't like me. I assume they didn't like me. And it just, it's freeing. Like to, I feel like to have gotten to a good place with those two particular agreements of this was just liberating. And it like just, freed me in ways that I don't even know. I have the words to describe right now. It's just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that too, because I know for me, sometimes in my past, well, not sometimes, actually quite a bit, I would think I was like a little know-it-all because I was constantly Mm -hmm. like a little vacuum of information and self-growth and self-development. So I was like a little bit of a know-it-all, which I did know quite a bit. However, because of that, when somebody would tell me something and I didn't agree with it, I would tend to, uh, you know, take it personal. Like, okay, they're, they're telling me this because they think I don't know. And (laughs) I remember thinking, you don't, no, you, I mean, you don't know everything and maybe they're telling you, maybe they're validating something that, you know, or maybe they're telling you in a different way, or maybe this is a message from 
an ancestor or a loved one through another Mm -hmm. dimension or heaven or something that is trying to tell you, this is what you need to hear today. So, you know, don't take it personal girl. Like, come on now, get your head, like bring your, my, my aunt used to tell me when I was little, she was actually quite mean about it. She would say, you think, you know, everything. And, you know, she'd call me with a lot of foul names. And, uh, and I'm mentioning this because as a young child, I had to learn how to have a thick skin. And I remember as a child, I would, you know, when I grew up, I knew, okay, that was really wrong, but mm-hmm. it did teach me at a very young age, how to have a thick skin and how to not take so much personal. So mm-hmm. I would say that kind of gave me the upper hand because on one end, I have this aunt who's just putting me down talking so much shit to me. I mean, I'm like, I see young girls today and their, their moms are so sweet to them. So nice. And I think like when I was their exact same age and I'd go up to my aunt, she was like, you little winch, you little hoe, you know, you, I mean, I, yeah. So, (laughs) but then, but then my mom would say, don't pay attention to that. She's just jealous. Don't pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. And I would, now that I'm older, I would think to myself, like, why didn't my mom slap her in the face, you know, but, but that was at the time, that's the way my mom was raised with her siblings, you know? So I think about that on one end, I got this horrible person talking down to me. And then I got my mom on the other end telling me, basically giving me that, that like, it's your choice to not take it personal right now. It's your choice to brush it off you know so it's it's almost like instead of her defending me she was telling me defend yourself in a way does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah does it does and I think that's a really important life lesson like that's amazing actually that she did that for you and then look at all that it taught you you know Mm -hmm. and just speaking of children I know that that's something I feel like I tried to do for my children, like what your mom did for you, you know, to try to teach them how to stand up for themselves, as opposed to me getting all like mama bear and like jumping in and attacking people, you know, (laughs) like I'm trying to teach them that they need to understand that people, you know, like you said that, or like your mom said about your aunt, you know, like she's probably jealous. And anything that she's saying to you, like we were just saying, I feel like this is a, something that's going to come up over and over in this conversation, but she was projecting um, these things onto you, you know, things she didn't feel so good about herself that maybe she saw in you. So I try to teach my kids that you're always going to come across people who are going to be, you know, maybe on a power trip or maybe they don't like you because they don't like themselves. Like, I think that's a huge thing, huge. And, um, I teach them to, to, to not take things personally and to look at a situation and think, okay, this person is saying this about me, but what do they really know about me? Like how much of this is actually true? You know, and it's, it comes up with my, my little one more than anything. He's, he's six, almost seven in first grade and kids are mean, you know? So he'll be like, oh, so-and-so called me this name or so-and-so told me that I'm not smart. And I'm just like, is that true? You know, and he'll say no. And I'm like, well, then why are you mad? (laughs) You know, like you, you have to learn not to get mad at people when they call you names or say things to you, because 
it they're trying to do it to get a rise out of you most of the time but there's no truth to it mm. no yes. truth whatsoever it there may be or there may not be which goes into true <laughs> which goes into the other one um what is it? Uh, don't number three. Don't make assumptions. Mm-hmm. I really like this one because yes. it goes back to what you just said about is it true? And you're right. Kids are mean, but guess what? Those mm-hmm. kids grow up and they become adults that haven't handled, you know, their their BS when they were kids, right? Because I mean, we're kids. We're just kids being kids, so we really don't got a chance to deal with it until we're adults. But here's the thing, don't make assumptions, right? Okay, I learned how to practice this one. I actually read the book in my early 20s. And it was, it, like you said, it changed my life. And mm-hmm. I really needed it because at the time I was jumping job, 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 job. And I was also, that's when I first met all my my circle of queens, my girls that are still my friends to this day. And what got me through some really tough times with your friend, when you have friends and you have a strong bond, it's because you've been through some shit with them and you've got to be able to get out of that shit eventually or circle back at least. And a part of that is to not make assumptions. Mm. Don't you, do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And I've had the same types of uh, situations with, with friendships and, We've talked about it before. Friendship is always an ebb and a flow. Like my little wavelength. It's an ebb and a flow. So you come together with people and then sometimes you grow apart and sometimes you come back together and at certain points, you know, maybe you won't someday. But for the most part, I feel like with me and all of my friends and my groups of friends that I have, there's always been some separation point and then we come back together. It's very, very common. And I think that it's so important in order to come back together, depending on what made you drift apart to begin with, it's so important to not make assumptions that this person said this because whatever, they thought this about you. And it's, I just feel like it's not necessary. And also, just like I said before, nobody's life revolves around you, you know? I feel like it's very, it's a little, there's a little bit of a harsh, I guess, um, way to, to look at it, but I feel like it's extremely selfish when a person looks at another person, like, you know, if I have a friend who doesn't, isn't calling me or isn't getting in contact with me or isn't getting back to me in a timely manner or whatever, um, it would be extremely selfish of me to think that because it has anything to do with me, unless I know I said something malicious to that person, then it's a little bit different. But if I know I didn't do anything or say anything, then it has nothing to do with me that they're not getting back to me. Life is busy. People are going through their own things. They're, you know, dealing with their own shit and maybe their priority isn't to get back to me right then and there. But that is because my, their world does not revolve around me and I should not be so selfish to think that it should. (laughs) And to get mad at a person for not responding to me in a timely manner or whatever. Mm -hmm. So Yep. There's so, so much with, with friendship and just understanding and being compassionate for each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody is a mind reader. 
you know, especially mm-hmm. what you just said. Everybody's got their shit. Um, I think it was our friend Liz that told me that years ago. And that just kind of hit me because it's so simple. Everybody's got their shit. Everybody's mm-hmm. got problems going on. Even though you see somebody that's like super happy on Facebook, that could be a post. That's a virtual life right there. But behind the virtual curtain, there's a real person that could be going through some really, really difficult times. And when we make an assumption even about their life, you know, we're basically telling their story in our in our own perspective. But really, mm-hmm. we don't know what they're going through until we say, hey, are you okay? What's going on? You could talk to me if you just yeah. need me just to sit here and just listen. And mm-hmm. I, when I was going through, and you know this, when I was going through the death of my mom, and she was slowly passing away each day for four months. I remember thinking, where are all my friends? Where is everybody? Like, why isn't anybody reaching out more? Like, I don't get it. And then it just, you know, I had to actually share this with some people. And finally, I got the answers that I needed to help me calm down. One, everybody's got their shit. I don't know what they're going through. And two, maybe they don't know how. Maybe they don't know how to reach out to you. Maybe they've, you know, people, again, nobody's a mind reader. Um, They don't know what I need. I don't know what they need. There's, you know, dark times can be really scary for people because sometimes people just don't know what to do or they're just really busy in their own life. And it's not their job to come and fix my life or spread the light on my life. It's my job to open up my light in my dark times. And that really helped me to let go of assumptions, let go of the assumptions that they're not really my friend or they're not true friends or real friends or however people like to put those little labels on. Mm. I, I By letting that go, and it really was my mom. My mom is the one actually who I talked to about it. She said, mm. when people show up, they show up. When they don't, they don't. That doesn't mean they love you less. They like you less. They. She goes, let that go. Just do you and those people that want to be around you when they want to be around you say thank you because that's them giving up their time. So that was a really big lesson that she taught me during the passing of her, her, um, her human life each day. And I'm really grateful for that because that, that was, that was one of the biggest lessons I needed to know about not making assumptions, especially during, during one of my darkest moments. Uh, and that's just, that's beautiful. That's just beautiful that, you know, your mom was able to to leave you with that, especially at this time in your life when you probably needed it the most, you know? And I think something that I think that goes along with the not making assumptions and kind of going along with what you were saying, you know, like, where are my friends? Why aren't people here to support me during this dark time? Uh, there's also something else that goes with that um, expectations, I've always, those two things to me kind of go hand in hand, like don't make assumptions and you should not have just expectations for people. That's, that's a tough one because I know expectations can go a lot of different directions and stuff. But when you have this expectation that someone is going to get back to you immediately, or when you're having a hard time, you assume that they're going to reach out and you have this expectation that they need to know, you know, that they should be reaching out to you every so often to see if you're okay. You know, I feel like that's a common one 
for a lot of people. And one of the things that's gone along with not making assumptions for me is letting go of those types of expectations. I know there's different tiers and different types and levels of expectation, but the type that it's almost, it's weird. So there's a human nature component. I feel like where people have these expectations for loved ones in their life, family, especially there will oftentimes be expectations for people to be there and do this and do that. And when those expectations are not met, then people get disappointed and they get it sad. They have falling out with family. But if the expectations weren't set out, you know, like actually laid out, like, okay, this is what I need from you. This is what needs to happen. This is my expectations for you. And oftentimes with family, it's not put out there that way, that it's not fair to get upset with someone. And I've had that happen with uh, a lot of my family. I had these expectations. More often there was expectations for me that I didn't meet and I would feel, you know, just put to push to the side because I wasn't meeting these expectations that other people thought that I should, but it goes both ways. And I've had relationships kind of fall off because of expectations. Me making the assumption that this person should do this, you know, they're expected to do this because they're in this role in my life. So that is something that blew my mind also. And it actually fixed a lot of relationships in my life, friendships and family, just massive. Yes, 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 yes. The mention of family, definitely. Uh, gosh, you, I could, I could tell you that one of my relationships in my family was repaired recently because we finally sat down and just talked just talked mm. from the heart and I had a better understanding. And I did also realize that assumptions were getting in my way of really seeing this person that I love and how much hurt they were going through. Cause my heart was clouding, you know, uh, it was clouding my ability to see through the fog and see them right where they were at because of the, my assumptions, because of my hurt, because of all these things. So yeah, being able to just talk to people, you know, and it, actually let's, that's going to slip us. We jumped right into the number two, uh, <laughs> um, number two, don't take things personally. Number three, uh, don't make assumptions. So let's circle back around to number one, which is be impeccable with your word. Now, the reason why I say this is going to swing us into it is because as somebody that I view myself as a leader, somebody who takes on leadership roles, I'm working with women, being a coach, you know, doing all the things that I do for sexy freedom. Uh, it is, it means so much to me that I keep my word, that I do what I say I'm going to do. And this includes, you know, this includes being humble, humbling myself and saying, no matter what happens, I'm going to talk this out. I'm going to allow the other person to speak and I'm going to actively listen to what they have to say. So be impeccable with your word to me means if I'm going to step into a leadership role, I'm going to, I'm going to do what leaders do. And it, it's always, or no, it's not always comfortable. And also you know, be impeccable, be impeccable with your word means that you are somebody who's trustworthy. Also, people trust you if you say you're going to do something and you do it. And then if you don't do it, 
if you're kind of flaking all the time, I get it every once in a while, but if you're somebody who flakes all the time, word goes around that you're not somebody who's accountable, right? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I know you, it's, it's really cool to, to think about all of the, the things that you do and like the leadership stuff and all of the different, um, you know, the retreats and the, uh, the speaking engagements and all those things. I love all of that. Like you definitely inspire me to what I'm moving towards in my own life. And so it's, there's a lot to learn in being in that type of, in that type of role, because people do rely on you. And like you were saying, you know, if you like aren't, if you're a flaky person and you aren't the type of person that is there when you say you're going to be there and keep your word that people, you get a reputation and people will start to, you know, word of mouth and things like that. I think word of mouth is huge, especially for people who are life coaches and stuff like what you do. And it, so I'm always looking at things like this and I'm like, okay, what is the root of this? Where does this start? Because I am in my life right now in some early stages of, of moving towards, you know, like I said, some of the things that you're doing, the life coaching and, and uh, just being more of being in more of a leadership role just in general. So the things that like, how do you build that? I think that's where I am right now. Because I'll be honest, 100% honest, that being impeccable with your word, that one is a struggle for me right now. And the reason is because of the root of it. I have not been impeccable with my word to myself. And I feel like that's where it starts. Once you, like, if you're, if you're saying, well, I'm going to do this today and I'm going to do this today and I'm going to do this, and then you don't do any of it. <laughs> you know, there's this, this sense of disappointment in yourself. And I know that it's something that I've gone through recently and I'm trying to work through is just realizing that when I set these goals, even these tiny, small daily things that I need to do it because I'm doing this for myself. Obviously, when it comes to things for my children or for my husband, I'm, you know, I'm on top of that. I get all of the things done for them that they need done. But I don't often make sure that I get the things that I need to feel good about my own fulfillment for that day done for myself. And this is just like baby steps, you know, like step one, figuring out how to make sure that you are taken care of and that you're being impeccable with your own word. And I feel like that is there's a trickle effect. I talk about a trickle effect with all sorts of different things. But this is something that's that for me. Because if I'm not able to be impeccable with my word to myself, how am I going to be impeccable with my word to others? That's been, it's been a big thing, learning experience. I don't want to say that it's, uh, there's, I mean, there's been mistakes, you could say, that were hard and painful, but they're, I don't like to look at them as mistakes. I like to look at them as lessons. And I've had a lot of lessons lately. And it's, it's made me realize, okay, I was not impeccable with my word to this person. You know, I let this person down. I said I was going to do this for this thing or person and I didn't do it, you know, and it had, it had to go back. I had to go inward and think about that and like, okay, why is it that I'm not following through with these things that I'm making, these promises that I'm making to people? 
And what it came down to for me was that I'm not following through with doing what I feel I need to do for myself. I'm not putting myself first. And I think that a lot of times people get that mixed up. They tend to think that if you put yourself, that's selfish. You know, you're not, you're not taking care of others. You're not, you know, being there for others. But one of the things that I always say, and a lot of people say this, I've heard this in a lot of different places, you cannot fill other people's cups if your cup is empty. So there's a lot of layers of that, a lot of facets of that. You know, for me, one of them was keeping my word to myself. I said I was going to fold these lawn, these towels in the laundry today, but I didn't do it, you know, or I said I was going to go to this store today and I, was, and I didn't do it. It's those tiny things that everything just kind of builds upon. And it's like, that is where it all starts. And if you're messing up those things, then it's likely that you're going to let people down when it comes to you doing things for them, because you're not setting yourself up for success, I guess is the best way to look at it. It's like, I can see these things now and I know that it's what I need to, to work on. Um, but it's easier said than done. But yeah, I mean, we're all a work in progress. I'm just working on it. <laughs> That's all I can do. Yeah. You said some really, really good things right there. And thank you for being so honest and vulnerable about where you are in life, because we're all at different levels. Right. And I know for me in the beginning, it was really hard for me to be impeccable with my word because I was all over the place. I mean, whoo, all over the place. And the way that I kind of helped myself. Okay. So I wrote a book, nothing sexier than freedom. And in the book, I mean, I was a notorious cheater, but I was impeccable with my word on everything else in my life. I was, you know, if I said I was going to be there for a friend, I was there. If I said I was going to show up, I showed up. If I said I was going to do this project, project, I made it happen. No matter how many people didn't follow through with their word, I followed through with mine. I always said to myself, you know, if even one person shows up at my events, I showed up for them, you know? So I was really impeccable, but with my relationships, as far as my romantic relationships, I was not impeccable with my word. And, uh, I realized how am I really good in this, these areas, but this one area I'm not. And, you know, like you, I had to do a lot of searching, a lot of self-development, a lot of crying and figuring out where the hurt was that was caused the root problem to why I wasn't able to be impeccable with my word in this area, in my romantic side. And I found out, you know, I mean, probably a lot more than I'll say today, but I realized I needed to have a new kind of relationship, not with these romantic partners, but like you said, Shreddy, with yourself. But it wasn't just a relationship with myself. I need a certain kind of relationship with myself. And I remember the two that I needed. I needed one with honesty, like you were saying, being honest with yourself. If I, it was so easy for me to lie to other people, is it easy to lie to myself also? So I started being more truthful with myself and I decided to have a relationship with trust, which was really hard. I'll, I'll never forget. It was really hard in the beginning. Uh, and then the second one was discipline. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I had three. So it was trust and then discipline. I was really disciplined in all these areas, like especially working out, but I wasn't disciplined with, uh, with saying, you know, with my spending habits, 
with going out all the time with, uh, you know, my flirting, I was flirting abundantly. I needed to have discipline <laughs> that when I was in a relationship, I do not do certain things, you know? So kind of discipline and boundaries, I'd say. And then the third one was commitment. I had to have a new, a new relationship with commitment. Like what does commitment mean to me? Can I redefine it? Why is it scary? Why am I fearing it? You know, and I had to have these new relationships with these three things, trust, uh, trust, discipline, and commitment. So that way I could develop a new relationship with the word, with the meaning. And that helped me become more impeccable with, uh, with myself and now to my, to my romantic partner. You know, I'm in the most healthiest relationship I've ever been because I was able to have a new relationship with, with th these three trust, discipline, and commitment. And then in, because of that, I had a better relationship with myself. So it was like a, you know, a full circle there. Yes, that makes so much sense. And it's interesting because you saying that those things that you had to, to go within and figure out for yourself within yourself, that is what allowed you to attract to yourself, you know, this amazing relationship that you have now. And I think that's just beautiful. It's amazing. It's fantastic. And uh, I, I've had a lot of friends ask me love advice and things because I've, my husband and I have been together, we've been together for 20 years in November of this year. Um, and we've been married for 15, almost 15 and a half years now. And so I'll have friends come to me and ask for, you know, love advice, you know, like just trying to figure out what they can do. My single friends said to, to find out like, what can I do to find love? This has just been over the years that I've had a lot of this come about. And the biggest thing, the, the most important thing I would tell them is just to love yourself. Like if you don't love yourself, you are not going to allow some, you're not going to be able to allow someone else to love you. And I think that's what, what you were talking about. You had to find that love within yourself for yourself. And just like everything else, like uh, there's plenty of people out there who will be like, well, I love myself plenty, you know, and like they don't look at all of the different facets. I use that word a lot, facets of, um, of love and just the layers and then the different, the, there's so many, I guess the facets, I can't, I was trying to think of a different word because I'm like, I keep using that word, but it's fine. It's fine. All the facets of love, <laughs> um, of self-love. And it's, it's a journey. Like the self-love journey is massive because I'm coming to find that there's a lot of ways to be confident and ways to love yourself that are, um, there, there's different areas that you'll love yourself in, but then there'll be this other area where you don't love yourself. And there, there can even be some self-loathing, like floating around in there. I call those like, like it's all in your subconscious, the things like if you have these things that you really love about yourself and, you know, like if someone loves their body physically and they think that they look great, but you know, they, there's other aspects of their life that they're not happy with or vice versa. You know, they like have a really great career, but they don't like how they look and, you know, things like that. I feel that it's really important to 
find all of those things that are floating around in those dark corners of your subconscious and shine a light on them. You know, like this is a flashlight, it's supposed to be a flashlight. <laughs> so shine a light on them so that you can see what's happening within yourself. That kind of work, I guess you could say it's shadow work. Um, it's a lot. It is a lot. And I feel like a lot of people don't do it because it's scary and because it's hard and because it's painful, but it's so necessary. And I think for, for finding love for people who haven't been able to find that up to a certain point in their life, that is what they need to do. Um, but I get, you know, I'll go ahead and use this as a segue into, we haven't talked about number four yet. I know we're going to go back and forth and round and round, but the, um, just being able to, to work on yourself and to find that self love is you have to always do your best. <laughs> number four, always do your best because there's so, there's so many different ways and roundabout ways and just trying different things to find the love for yourself that you might be missing so that you can find a relationship and love that way. But it takes a lot of work. It takes so much work. And I know for me personally, not having to do with relationships, but just with other aspects of my life, I know that I've, I've been, I would get really down on myself about it. Like, okay, I'm really trying with this, but it's not going how I want it to go. But the way that I console myself is by looking at the situation and saying, I am doing the best that I can do in this situation right now. And all that I can do is just keep going and keep doing my best. That is one that I've also had problems with recently. Oh, that's so negative. I said problems. It's not problems. Everything's a work in, work in progress. So it's one of the ones that I'm working on most diligently right now. Let's flip that to the positive. Um, it's just always do your best. Uh, I feel like there was times where I didn't do my best and I knew that I could do better and I knew that I could be better. And it's hard because that will breed um, guilt and shame. And, and that's something that I have dealt with so much in my life in so many aspects on so many different levels, you know, not being where I want to be in my life. I'm 40 now and I'm not where I want to be in my life. I mean, that's a common scenario. I feel like most people at any age would feel like, well, this isn't where I thought I was going to be at this age. So that is a common scenario, but I know that there's things that I could have done better. And so I have to go within and find that forgiveness. That's part of my, my self-love journey right now is finding the forgiveness for the times that I know that I was not doing my best and to commit to myself to do better and to be better. And it's really cool because it, it's allowing me, I think just admitting that and being able to admit the fact that it's been a little bit of a little bit of a progression, a difficult progression for me, it, it helps other people. And I didn't realize how much that would help other people just in me saying that and admitting it, because it's almost like nobody wants to admit that, you know, you don't want to admit that you didn't do your best on something when you know, you know, you could have done better. But it's okay. I think that's my biggest point in all of this is that people know, like, whatever has happened, it's okay. Just do your best from here on out. So true, Shreddy. So true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've watched you grow and I've watched you stumble. And and I say I watched you because I watched you through the storytelling that you've done 
or that you've told me. And through that storytelling, I've seen the way my brain works is that it works in visuals when you're storytelling and describing your life, I'm seeing visuals of you. And so I say, I've watched you, you know, grow, stumble, grow, stumble, grow, 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 stumble, stumble, grow, stumble. And I think like, wow, that's what an incredible journey that you've been on because you're doing your best. You're not staying down when you stumble. You're not, woe is me, poor me. I'm now a victim again and again and again, but you're just like, okay, this is what I learned. This is what I learned. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And that's why, that's why you're in my circle of friends because, because you are somebody who wants to continually grow because you're somebody that I know if I stumble, that you're going to say, Hey, you got this. You're going to encourage me back up. And, you know, speaking of doing your best, doing your best comes with how you're picking out your people in your circle. I mean, I really feel that the the circle that I have chosen around me, you know, you um, are a few friends we know, my family members, people that I can say, okay, I'm going to call on them. To me, I feel that they are best to me. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to like kick them out and then replace them because to me, they've grown with me. And I know that they're doing, they're, they're right there where I'm at, which I really enjoy. So that's another perspective of, you know, doing your best is who you're picking uh, to surround you in, in your life right now. And going back to just endeavors, you know, I remember when I first started sexy, successful and soul fed, it's such a mouthful, <laughs> but the Facebook group, it's now been over a year that I had it. And I remember thinking, okay, there's so many Facebook groups to choose from. Why would somebody want to be in my Facebook group? What can I, what value can I give them? And when I say, what can I give them? Because as, as a founder, you're, you're the beginning uh, step to building your Facebook group. And I remember thinking, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. And it's coming from my heart. I don't get paid for this. I'm not sponsored to have a Facebook group. Nobody in the group, you know, is, is, uh, you know, doing something in return that's, that's forcing me to have this group. You know, I'm not held by anything. I'm really doing it because I want to give value. I want to inspire. And that is me doing my best to help shine my light in this world. That's just one way, <laughs> you know, and then there's, there's the business side. Like I have sexy freedom and I've thought over and over, should I can this business? Should I keep the business? Like I have a, you know, I have a job, I have a, a regular job, but I have my business and sometimes it does well. And some years it's, it's doing nothing. And it's just a, it's just a heavy weight that I'm kind of pulling alongside me. And I think, is this the year I'm going to give it up? But then I think, do your best and see what happens. You know, don't make any crazy decisions just yet because there has been in the past some years where it's done really well. And say, you know, so I think about these things and, and let's go back to anybody out there who does events. I remember a few workshops I did where only one person showed up and my mom would say, well, at least you showed up, you know, going back to what I said earlier, um, one person showed up and I thought I'm going to give it my all for this one person. 
I'm going to lead. I'm going to do good for this one person because this could change their life. And then in turn, they could change other people's life. Like it's a full ripple effect, right? So, and going back, let's talk about parenting. You know, I have a 23-year-old. You've got two kids that you mentioned earlier, right? Doing your best Mm -hmm. as a parent because parents can be so hard on themselves. It's so true. That's, so my children, my children, I have two boys, my babies, they are, I told them, I'm like, I don't care how much taller than me you get, you're still gonna be my baby. Uh, So I have an 11, almost 12 year old, both of the birthdays are next month. And I have a six, almost seven year old, my sons. And um, my 11 year old's taller than me. (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy. But there's my kids. Oh my goodness. There's been a lot of mommy guilt. And I know that is huge with all moms, good moms, all good moms. <laughs> I'll say that because I know that the, one of the things I try to tell myself and I tell my other mom friends when they're having down moments too, is that, you know what, if you didn't feel guilty, if you didn't have the mom guilt, you probably are a shitty mom, <laughs> you know, like if you aren't concerned with how well you're doing and how well you're managing to to take care of your children and to be your best for them and to raise them in a way that you feel that they should be raised. If you're unconcerned about that, things kind of get messed up here and there because they always get messed up here and there for everybody. If you have no concern about that and you're just like, whatever, you're probably a shitty mom. But the, for the moms who actually are like, oh my gosh, you know, like I messed this up or I feel really bad because this didn't happen or I feel really bad because, you know, this thing that I did or I yelled at them and I shouldn't have and things like that. Like, well, they're, we're good moms. We're good moms. And everybody makes mistakes. Everyone. And it's a, a huge part of my journey uh, since, since everything that I have been going through over the past, like three years, um, 2019 was the big start of it. But since all of that happened, I've had to realize that like, wow, I really am a fantastic mom. And it's cool. Cause I've had, you know, different friends and people just tell me that over the years, the, all the years that I've been a mom, I never believed them. Sadly, I didn't believe them until just a few years ago. And I really started to see, oh, you know, and that was just part of my self-love journey, a huge part of my self-love journey. And I started to like, when I, when I make a mistake with my kids or something happens, or if I fly off the handle in a way that's really ugly that I shouldn't, because everybody does that, then I just flip it around and I'm like, okay, I am doing my best. I am doing my best. And I oftentimes will admit it to my kids. I think that's, uh, that's a way I'm definitely different than how I was raised. And for, as far as like my friend school and stuff, like a lot of how they were raised the generation, like our generation, how we were raised. It wasn't like our parents made a mistake and they didn't admit it. (laughs) You know, they didn't tell us like, Oh honey, I did this like completely wrong. And I was so wrong for this. Like, we just didn't hear that. And so I feel like that's where I'm trying to be different with my kids. I tell them things. I'm like, okay, you should be this way. You know, like my older son will, he got mad at his little brother and he just, he did something really mean. I forget what his brother did to him, 
but he had a bottle of cleaner because they were supposed to be cleaning the bathroom. He threw it. It was full. He threw it full force at his little brother because he got mad because he like touched. Oh, he touched him with a wet rag or something. And he just flew off the handle completely. And I'm just like, okay, I've never done that, like thrown something. But there's been times where I've yelled at my kids unnecessarily because I had a hard day because I was going through something that had nothing to do with them. And they did something annoying that got on my nerves and I flew off the handle and yelled at them. So I admit that. So because I'm able to admit that I told my son, I'm like, okay, listen, you did something really mean to your brother and you need to go and tell him, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that to you. That was really mean. And I made the two of them talk it out. And I told him, I'm just like, you know, the last time I got really mad and yelled at you, what did I do? And he's like, you came and told me you were sorry for yelling at me. I was like, Mm -hmm. I did. It's really important to, for like self accountability when you mess up to own it and to just know that you're doing your best and that you have to be better moving forward. So I think that's one of the most important things that I'm trying to teach my children, like a life skill. And it's a life skill. I feel like a lot of adults that I know don't have sadly, you know, (laughs) just that that accountability, you know, just to admit, Hey, I fucked up, but I'm going to be better now. Mm-hmm. Like there, I just, you don't see it very often. Yeah. You can tell when, when somebody's missing one of the four agreements in their life <laughs> and, and I mean, that's okay. Cause it's all our own journey, right? Maybe they, maybe they oh, did yeah. learn it and they just haven't accepted it or they, it, they just don't feel like they need it in their life. Like whatever, you know, but Hey, whatever you choose to implement in your life and, and allow to become a habit and a practice in your life is going to show and manifest itself mm-hmm. in your life and your kids' mm-hmm. life and your relationships. So, you know, do the work. In other words, like read the book. It's amazing. It's an amazing book. Um, before we wrap this up, though, um, I'll just tell yeah. you guys again what the book is called. It's called The Four Agreements uh, by Don Miguel Ruiz. He's written other books, but The Four Agreements, me and Shreddy cannot highlight enough and and encourage you to read it enough because it 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 is life-changing it absolutely is and just to to make it easier for people who are trying to decide whether they're going to read it or not it's really short (laughs) it's a very short book i know isn't it like 100 pages or something if that it's a short book you know and it's a really easy read like i felt like one of the things i remember thinking when i was reading it was wow, this is written so just simplistically. I felt like the way that the author described everything in the book, it just was simple and it just made sense and it was easy to digest. It's like, you know, you read those self-help books sometimes where they're like saying all of these like philosophical and crazy things that are like way out there in the stratosphere. And you're like, okay, the fuck does that mean? (laughs) <laughs> like this is this really was long not like, get to the point <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and there's all these things in there that you're like I don't know what this means like this book was not like that for me anyway I felt like it was straight to the point it was very straightforward and just written so eloquently and just easy to read yes it's yeah that's book. a good point that's a really good point because a lot of people don't like to read and I do believe it's mm-hmm. on audiobook also um, if you mm-hmm. don't want to read it, just go and Google search it and then just 
click on images and it'll pop up the four agreements because yeah. it can sure it's not going to save your oh, i could save your life okay let me just say it like this they're great tools to have absolutely great tools to have that can help you in so many parts of your life so on that note the four agreements mm -hmm. against shreddy yes oh you want me to read the four agreements okay so number one, be impeccable with your word. Number two, don't take anything personally. Number three, don't make assumptions. And number four, always do your best. Yeah. And it's, I feel like they're open interpretation, you know, <laughs> like take it how you need to take it. But that's there they are. <laughs> awesome. So uh, yeah. Shreddy, any last word? Um, I don't think so. I mean, this was really really helpful. I almost feel like this was this conversation and, and, and having this talk with you and getting the things out that I said about everything and hearing your perspectives, Helsey, was it was healing for me to do this. And I'm really, I'm really grateful. I'm grateful that you invited me back to the podcast. So I appreciate being brought back in. This is really fun and I enjoy doing it. And uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you, Helene, and I'm grateful for anyone who chooses to listen to this. And I hope that anyone who is listening gets a lot out of it, you know, or there's something that you can take from it and that it resonates with your heart, you know, to move forward with. So, yeah. oh, and lastly, you guys see this uh, painting behind me here? I had to point it out. It's so beautiful. My, my longest time best friend, Charlie, she painted that for me for my birthday. And I had to have it in here with me because it's so pretty and beautiful. Like she painted it. She's so talented. So I had to point that out because it's so, so nice. Yeah, she did an amazing <laughs> job. Wow. Uh, by the way, yeah. I, I'd like one too. <laughs> <laughs> you listen, Charlie? <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Charette. Oh, I can't wait to have you on again. You're definitely going to become a regular. You're one of my closest and best friends as well. And I appreciate your oh, time yeah. and, and just staying open with the whole conversation. Um, so everybody yeah. uh, find us on sexy freedom media on Instagram. Also hell of a journey. Uh, go get my book, nothing sexier than freedom, which is available on Amazon and audiobook on audible and uh, sharing is caring. Share this, give us a five-star review and as always, we appreciate you. Come back for more. Thank you so much. Ahie. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Want to hear more? Duh. Visit us at sexyfreedommedia.com.